0: Within a month after this bill passed, I happened to be watching TV, and I saw a spot up on the television, and it was the acting superintendent for the Des Moines public It said that I recognize now that parents have a choice in your education. And I want you to know that we are going to be the choice for your students' education. And that was within a month that it already, we were developing that culture.
1: Thanks so much, Governor. Congratulations again. Thank you. And I know there are a lot of legislators in the room. And, you know, in addition to you, one of my newer friends, your great lieutenant governor, I Mm -hmm. sat with at the fair and he he kept buying me all this sweet stuff. (laughs) And I got home late that night. My wife had supper prepared. She said, Kevin, you're you're uncharacteristically full. And I (laughs) said, let me tell you this guy, Adam (laughs) Gregg. So you got great people in Iowa, great, great leaders. And uh, it's so great to be here. I've got a a question that I ask a lot of school choice leaders, and you're one of them now. (laughs) Legislator friends, obviously part of this. And that is, was there a a moment that you can look back on where you said, oh, school choice is the answer? In other words, sometimes fellow governors, state legislators who might have been not necessarily skeptical, but maybe school choice was lower on the list. Maybe they meet a student or maybe for them it is a moment with one of their own children or it's just a uh, like a policy light bulb. I'm curious if there's something that you can think of a moment as a way of, of helping to coach some others who might tune into this down the road who need a little encouragement.
0: Well, I've always been a proponent of it, and we've tried to address it in a lot of different ways through the student tuition organization or right. just working on different tax credits. But, you know, I'm, I had the luxury or the, I don't know, luxury is not the right word, but I lived through COVID as a governor. And You know, I knew that it was the right thing to do, but as I tried to get the schools to open back up and to get our kids back in the classroom, understanding how important that was, especially for the kids uh, that didn't have a hot meal or needed that support system or didn't have great circumstances at home and certainly didn't have the resources to make a different choice. So the majority of our schools stayed open, but our Des Moines public actually sued me to keep the kids out of school. And right, you know, during that time, I saw kids that just got left on the lines, and I saw parents that had the resources that were afforded the decision. They would come to me and they would say, um, well, my kid, can we play sports? And I said, well, I, that's a lot of context. So if you can play sports, then you could sit in a classroom and have these kids get educated. Right. I mean, Imagine that's that. the number one concern. Right. To make sure that they have a good education. Um, or if they wanted their child to be in school, well, they had the resources and the income to make that decision and the kids that needed it most didn't. And just some of the heartbreaking stories that I heard from single moms that were trying to educate their child, work, keep them busy, make sure that they had the connectivity and the tools to do that. I have three daughters who the oldest two have four kids. The, the our youngest one is a teacher, a public school teacher. So she was even from a different perspective trying to teach second graders, through online which is near impossible to be able to do that but they were like the other two were like mom I'm not a teacher for a reason you know I respect what they do I chose not to to do that profession because I'm going to kill my kids (laughs) you know just trying to and even in 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 Waukee a suburb of Des Moines they were struggling with connectivity they'd have you know one on each floor trying to work on a laptop to get stuff down and so I spent a lot of time online talking to parents, just saying, please, and students, saying, I need some rigor. This is just busy work. I'm not, this is not preparing me uh, for my next step. And so when you've got students and parents and uh, teachers, the number of teachers that came up and said, this is ridiculous. So, so that really, I think, drove me to, to, just, to just realize through all of this, parents should have the ability to decide regardless of income or zip code, zip code where their children should get their education and I was just hell bent on getting it done from that point forward it's the great equalizer and we're leaving we're leaving kids out
1: it is it's the civil rights issue of it, our it, time it,
0: it truly it truly is and so it's it's game changer
1: thanks for your leadership thanks for uh, your verve shall I say i <laughs> I, I like the spirit. We we're talking about the competitiveness among your fellow governors about your respective states getting higher on the education freedom report card. We love that so much <laughs> at Heritage, Governor Reynolds. We have now have plans on each of our policy areas to do these report cards. Yeah. Right, Lindsay? <laughs>
0: it, it works. Yeah, it's okay. A good
1: good. It's a human nature <laughs> yeah. thing. It's okay. So y'all are competitive, which is great. And, and also Iowans are among the most grateful people in the United States. And I can only imagine that you have either personally uh, in person, or have gotten emails or notes from Grateful Parents about this program? Yeah,
0: just lots. It is, you know, that just could, uh, just the other day, I, you know, I was, um, I, I talked to an individual, she was working, and she said, you know, education is really important to our family. They have one child, uh, but 2 pair family, but they, but like, it took everything that we had to set money at, aside so that we could send our son to the school that we felt he could just strive and be the best that he could be. And, I, and <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am to be able to have the resources to do that, especially with inflation and everything else that these families are experiencing right now, to be able to give a little bit of relief to them and to just be able to um, keep their son there. Because that's the other thing we've heard so many times. I talked to parents whose child was struggling maybe bullied or just they just it wasn't the right you know school for them and they got help and and again saved and got them into a private school but they had they just didn't know how they could continue to do that so to provide the stability and to be able to give those parents an opportunity to to um put their child in the school where they can be the best that they can be and i I just hear it every everywhere i go i have some parents some mom some dad come up and just say, thank you so much for doing that. I didn't think we'd ever have the opportunity uh, to, to to pick the school that we believe is right for our child. And so we just appreciate that so much. So lots of positive feedback. I share that with the legislators a lot. I know they're hearing it too. They share stories uh, with me, but it's a lot of positive feedback. I heard it a lot. You know, you happen to go, we got you to the state fair this year. So you happen to, you know, experience that, but that was a really um, I got a lot of positive feedback uh, this year from from just because you get to talk to a lot of different sure. people in one location.
1: People were excited. About uh, yeah.
0: I, so you just it was it was reaffirming that we did the right thing. And I just it, and it's going to make all of us better. And, you know. Oh, I'll tell you one other story real quick. Long answer, Go but how it. long yeah. answered. But so really, what we want to do it it, it raises the bar for everybody. It it will, it will make education better across the board. And so I talked about Des Moines Public and how you know they sued me to keep the kids out of the school and not not very happy about the direction that we were going. But probably like within a month after this bill passed, I happened to be watching TV and I saw a spot up on the television and it was the acting superintendent for the Des Moines public. And it was just so it was like, I had said that I recognize now that parents have a choice in your education. And I want you to know that we are going to be the choice. For your students' education. And that was within a month that it already, we were developing that culture Imagine that we that. wanted to develop. It's just competition is a beautiful thing, right?
1: It, it, well, it but, is. But, yeah,
0: they recognized it.
1: And I'll, I'll, I'll geek out just for a minute okay. as a public policy think tank leader, uh, my colleagues, Dr. Lindsay Burke and others have pointed out that one of the great arguments for school choice is that it really does lift all boats. And so that's awesome that the acting superintendent of Des Moines Public would be saying yeah. that. Yeah. It's going to benefit everybody, which it, is the whole point. I imagine that reality, which we know from the data, as well as the stories you told about individual Iowans coming to you and thanking you, that that's really helpful for you and your, your legislators in the state who had to take a hard vote. Because in, as best I know, Governor, correct me if I'm wrong, in every state that school choices, universal school choices have been passed, the governor has to use a little political muscle, right? What was that experience like?
0: Well, <laughs> Listen, I pride myself on working really well with the I legislature. Tell I do. I mean, we have a great working relationship. We meet with the leaders. I have an open policy that anytime you have a question or a concern, come, come come, and meet with me. I meet with them on Thursdays. I have a coffee where they can all come. So I think that that's really important. You know, some people think that the governor gets everything she wants. I'm sure to tell you that is absolutely not true. Don't believe it. You know, I mean, you just got to get it through those both chambers and then to my desk. So, um, so I didn't I didn't take it lightly and gave it a lot of thought, but because I felt so strongly about it and we just were not where we needed to be uh, as far as like our, our rankings and, and where the kids were at, we needed to do better. And, and, and because we kept our kids in school, you know, we were ahead of a lot of the, we didn't see the decline that a lot of the other states did. So I just, I just sat down and I just, as I thought about it, I thought, well, I'm gonna be either an enabler and we're gonna continue to go through this process or I am going to dig in and I'm going to do everything I can to get it across the finish line. Whether it's talking to legislators, talking to superintendents, making the pitch. I did a lot of town halls, And um, yeah, I got it through the Senate for two years in a row. So that's like a tease. You know, it's like, yes. oh, you know, I'm just almost there. And then I just couldn't get it through the House. And so um, we, I weighed in on nine primaries. And I just I had one question when I. People, when they were running, I just said, do you support um, school choice, parental choice or not? And if they supported parental choice, I said, "Uh, you've got my support and you have my endorsement. I'll be happy to help you do whatever I can to get it across the finish line. And we won eight out of nine. So But but here's my point. We won eight out of nine. But what I kept saying is. I'm hearing this as I travel the state. I'm hearing from parents, this just isn't a Ken thing. This is what I'm hearing from parents that they want the opportunity, they, they want to make those choices. And I just couldn't convince them. And so I think the electorate convinced them because they won in most of those primaries by significant margins, it, it wasn't close. Uh, the one that I, The one that I couldn't, we didn't get across the finish line. He was at an event the next morning, walked in and I said, "Hey, hey, we're all we're all on the same team. The primaries are over. We're re-. but he, I think he beat it to I think he might have beat me to it." And he goes, "Hey, I'm all Team Reynolds. I'm ready to go." And I said, "Well, they're over. We are one team." You're right. And then I, you know, I it took some work to rebuild some bridges sure. and just really talk about, you know, again why I thought it was so important. And I had tried to compromise for 2 years, even the year before we got it through. I held, we, we held them a little bit longer, you know, kind of put the brakes on to try to find a compromise. But the problem with that is once you give something here, then this one doesn't like it over here. And it was just like a moving, I'd, I'd get two steps this way, three back. Then we'd start and go again. And so, um, so I, as I got ready after the, the primary, I thought, oh, we're going big this time. We're going to just, we're going to go for it. So I really liked uh, the three-year approach, and next year will be year two, and we're going to continue to see, I think, a lot of interest.
1: It's a great approach. I mean, truly, uh, we, we we'd study not just the policy of this at Heritage, but also sometimes, often, governors, legislative leaders will call us and ask for some legislative strategic advice. And, and not surprisingly, we say, go big or go home. Because even if you argue for a really small bill with very little eligibility, you're going to get the same opposition to it. Yeah. And, and I mean, you—I you get
0: high five you right yeah. now. I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't
1: change. Right? It doesn't. And and some of that opposition, as you said, I know this particularly well um, from from my years in Texas working on school choice. It's often rural legislators. These are good guys and gals. I mean, they agree with Heritage on everything else. So it's not like we want to lambast them, but. As my friends in rural Texas are, are saying, to your point about constituents, they want this. Yeah. And, the t- and my, my, uh, political, one of my political mentors is, is Texas Senator, former Texas Senator Phil Graham. And I won't imitate his accent in Iowa, yeah. but I often do that. And he said, Kevin, you can never underestimate the power of an idea whose time has come. And the time has come, the school choice. Yeah.
0: If there was one good thing that came out of COVID, it was that. I mean, it delivered it to us on a silver platter because parents really got engaged in their child's education and really saw we were our kids were being taught a lot of other things besides academics. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, you never believe that happening in your school, maybe someplace else, but not in my backyard. Um, and it, and it just was really widespread. And so, um, yeah, it makes a difference.
1: Let's look to the future a little bit, if, if you don't mind, and mm-hmm. in particular, uh, a part of the future that is, is a little discouraging, and that is the power of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think that's the case in any policy arena, but it's particularly true in education policy. This is why Lindsay Burke and, and all of our folks at Heritage have written the plan for completely eliminating the U.S. Department of Education by the end of this decade. <laughs> That is the most popular applause line. Yeah, at the
0: you, I was clapping you know. too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it isn't just an applause line. We do have the plan. So every aspirant to uh, for president of the United States, if they get a briefing from Heritage and we offer this to all of them across the spectrum, we, of course, start with that. But all of that to say, if you look at what particularly under President Biden is going on with Title IX, yeah. you, you, you touched on that in your comments. If you look at what they're trying to do with education policy generally, it has to be really hard as the governor of any state, but particularly a common sense state like Iowa, to look at Washington and say, at what point are, are you no longer against us? Do you see in the short term or do you have in the short term a strategy for dealing with that? Obviously, we hope that that maybe power changes hands soon. Yeah. But in That's the meantime, the strategy, you got a, you got another year where you have to confront yeah. this. What's what's the yeah. approach?
0: Well, it shouldn't be this hard to to, to to do common sense, right? I mean, you shouldn't fight this hard to have to implement common sense. I, just, like, I think he wakes up every day and says, what should I do today that flies in the face of common sense? Because, I mean, my gosh, it seems to drive him. So you just have to push back. You have to stay strong. You have to push back. You have to work with your legislature. I mean, when they said, no, you're going to keep your kids out of school, we said, no, we're going to put them in school. We put them in. Sue me if you want to sue me. But we're going to go through the legislative process. We're going to apply it and do what's right when we said, you know, they said you're gonna mask up, we said, no, we're not. Parents are gonna choose whether their child wears a mask or not. You know, we just we put our faith and our confidence in our people. We provided them the information and then we let them make the choice. And that's the way it should be. But so it's through legislative matters where you push back. I mean I passed we said girls will participate in girls sports and you know that's what they're trying to eliminate and re- erase Women, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's so common sense. Ugh, men are men and women are women. But when you can't describe a woman, it makes it tough, I guess, to follow the common sense policy. So I I don't know. But uh, you know, I have three daughters who work really hard every day and have, and they have dreams and hopes. And if you are committed to putting in the time and to play a sport, you should be able to um, compete fairly. With your own gender. And it's, we, we, we did that 50 years ago. I mean, I don't know. I mean, guess if you don't talk about it constantly, then as they say, history repeats itself. So here we go again. So uh, we're going to continue to push back and fight. The other thing that we've done, um, numbers, you know, sometimes help too. So uh, we do a lot collectively as the Republican, Republican Governors Association to really to, to take them to court, to sue them on overreach, on some of the policies that they're trying to push down our throats. Uh, We coordinate a lot of times with the attorney general. So it's both, you know, whether we're supporting them or doing our own or whatever that may look like. But and we've been successful for some of them. And I just I don't uh, believe for a second that the majority of Iowans or the American people agree with the just the um, insanity that we see coming from this the White House and especially with education. And just when you're beholden to somebody that helps reelect you to to the union, then that's where your focus is going to be. It's never about the children. It is never about the kids. And that is the most discouraging, heartbreaking thing that I've ever seen. And so we're going to continue to fight the good fight and do everything we can. Numbers help. Uh, But we've got a legislature that supports that completely uh, that have worked hard to, if I'm not putting forward an idea, they've got a lot of great ones to really make sure that we did a parental parental, parental bill of rights uh, we said no to CRT we said uh if you're gonna change I said some of that in my remarks but you know if your child's wanting to change their pronoun or the name guess what you don't get to say it's okay and hide it from the parents you actually have to notify the parents
1: even that's remarkable that we, we, we have to pass a law that.
0: and really I don't think again I don't think parents believed that that was happening in Iowa and it's happening everywhere everywhere even in rural school districts and i think people now are really attuned to that but um but ultimately you can do all that stuff and say no to critical race theory no to indoctrination but they can find ways around it sometimes and so the thing that we did that can make the that will have the biggest impact is school choice it's that simple it's it that is the thing that works because uh, they do they do understand money. And I don't there are a lot of great teachers, a lot of great school districts out there. So I have to be careful about this. My daughter is a public school teacher that are working hard every single day. Um, and believe me, they want to just teach the kids. They don't want to be caught up in this cultural warfare. They don't. I had so many teachers come up and just say, now they whisper it in my ear. So, <laughs> you know, and I get it. Thank you. Yeah. Our kids needed to be in the classroom. That's where they needed to be. I want to just teach the kids. That's why. I went into this profession, I didn't do it to get into issues that parents should be having those conversations with their children uh, based on their values, not what I think their values should be.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting and, and, and the research shows this, but you also know this anecdotally, that school choice benefits everyone who needs to benefit from education. Most importantly, the students, regardless of who they are, where they're from, how rich or poor they are, the families, Also, the teachers, because even the teachers, your daughter, my younger brother is a public school teacher on the Gulf Coast in an inner city school. They benefit, too, interestingly, by the introduction of competition. But also, if you think about these cultural challenges, just knowing that there are some leaders like you and your legislator friends who are pushing back on the nonsense, because that's not majority opinion in the United States. So I'd sit here with you all day, as you know, but (laughs) I'll I'll ask you one more question. You've been kind with your time. And it's a it's a big picture question that I I try to ask as many elected officials as I can. And that in the in the time that I've known you, I know you to be genuinely hopeful because you're so proud of Iowa and America, and you're a woman of deep faith, mm-hmm. and your husband's got a great first name. <laughs> <Evan>. <laughs> but the question is this: in spite of all of the challenges facing America, why did you wake up optimistic this morning?
0: all. Oh. Well, because, you know, I guess my glass is half full. I believe in this country. I believe in Iowans. I believe in the uh, just the opportunities that lie ahead. And I, I guess I'm just, I am a forward-looking person. Yeah. And I'm always looking at what we can do next. How can we be better? What can we do to uh, change um, the equation that, that can have the biggest benefit? I, I I don't know, optimistic, believe. I like working on things like that. I don't like looking backwards. I want to look forward. I want to see, well, yeah, because we're, you know, big things are coming. I'm not kidding when I said, watch out, Florida. You know, (laughs) we're working on some positive things. Commissioner Diaz, there's real competition. That's what keeps me going. I mean, I just, to get up in the morning and talk about the what ifs, what can we do, the positive things. How do we get this country back on track? You know, our country's in trouble and the world's on fire. And it's just there is a lot of negative stuff that our kids and our families and our country is dealing with on a daily basis. Um, so we better all be focused on how we get things back on track and how we return America to America. And uh, I guess I'm that person that believes our greatest days are ahead. And, but it's going to take all of us to be engaged and motivated and paying attention. Not one per- No one person can do it. It's going to take all of us. Uh, in that fight uh, to get things turned around and get it back on track. And I think states like Iowa and like Florida uh, provide a pretty good roadmap of what you can do to really uh, be successful, get this country back on track and change the direction. It's the complete opposite of the direction that D.C. is taking us. So.
1: It, it sure is. And, and uh, we at Heritage share your hopefulness about the future. We think we're on the brink of turning the corner as a country in a good way, if not already in, in that turn. We're grateful for your leadership. When just a bit of housekeeping, when we conclude here momentarily, my colleague, Dr. Lindsay Burke, will come up and wrap up the session. But most importantly, on behalf of all of us at Heritage, several hundred thousand members of the Heritage Foundation, some of them are in this room. Thank you. Congratulations. God bless you. Thanks for being a national treasure. Governor Kim Reynolds.
0: And thank you for what you do. Yeah. It helps, really. Thank you. <laughs>
1: The Kevin Roberts Show is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The producer is Phil Reynolds. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and Tim Kennedy. For more information and to subscribe, please visit heritage.org.